Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Friday, February 14th, 2020. The end of the longest week in history is over. My name is Jay Zawoski. Lockdown Blackhawks is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Here's how to get in touch with the podcast real easy. First of all, you can find the podcast as you have on any podcast provider. Apple, Google Play, Pocket Casts. What's that other one? It's not Streaker. Uh, what's that one called? I can't remember. Some with an S. It's very popular. I don't use it, but you know what I'm talking about. That one. It's on there, too. Oy. Send me a voicemail. 708-653-0572. Email is LockedOnBlackHawks at gmail.com. Remember, talk back Tuesday next week. Get those questions in early, even though the Hawks have two more games between now and then. Oof, two big ones, too. Calgary tomorrow and Winnipeg on Sunday big huge weekend for the Blackhawks but send me an email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com the twitter at lo underscore Blackhawks my personal account at jayzawaski670 and the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at Madhouse Pod so it's been a very busy week we've had three games to react to and I haven't had a chance to get to some of the bigger picture things I've been meaning to get to so I want to talk a little bit today about Duncan Keith I want to talk a little bit today about Dylan Strom. I want to talk about an NHL GM's poll that came out in The Athletic. Some interesting stuff in there I think you'd like to know about. And I'm going to start by sort of setting the table. As we're approaching just over a week out from the NHL trade deadline, this came up the other day on Twitter, and I want to make sure that there's an understanding with you guys and me and with just sort of having to do a podcast every day and the difference between speculating and reporting and wishing and hoping. Okay. If I have concrete information about what the Blackhawks might be looking to do, I will tell you that it's from a source. Okay. I will say I've been hearing this from some of my more trusted people around the league. I've heard X, Y, Z. I did that a couple weeks ago about the Blackhawks' plan at the trade deadline, which is sort of, as of then, which could be very different today based on how this week has gone, but as of then was, if we get what we want, we'll make some trades. And if we don't, we'll stand pat. Now that they've fallen a little bit out of things, maybe that plan has changed. I have not checked in. Well, I have checked in, but I haven't heard back, which is not uncommon. This is a busy time of year, especially for people in the league. So if I have something to report, as in, I believe this is going to happen based on something I've been told by a source I trust, I will make sure you know that. If I speculate, and this is how this conversation started, someone on Twitter said that I've been saying the Blackhawks should trade Brandon Sod all year, which is not the truth. What I've said was, if the Hawks are looking to trade a, an asset to get something good in return while clearing some cap space, Brandon Saad could be a good option to accomplish that goal. I'm not saying they should trade Brandon Saad. I'm not necessarily saying they shouldn't, but I'm certainly not advocating for the Blackhawks to just move on from Brandon Saad. But if we're looking for ways to clear cap salary, for example, the Hawks need to re-sign Dylan Strom, which we'll talk about a little bit later, Dominic Kulik, Robin Leonard, we all know the free agents that are due this summer and the Hawks are going to need some cap space especially if Brent Seabrook's going to play again 
So trading Brandon Sow would be an option. That's not me saying I want it to happen. If I want something to happen, I'll tell you. The other thing is, I will. I swear to you, no matter how long this podcast go, if I do you know, 52 weeks, five days a week, every day without missing one, even in the offseason, I promise you, I will not make anything up. I will not create a rumor or a report out of whole cloth just to generate clicks or to have a fancy, catchy headline on the podcast to make people listen. I have my loyal podcast listeners. Every day, the downloads are about the same, gradually growing. I'd like those numbers to go up. I really would. But I think as the Hawks have sort of dwindled here lately, some interest has been lost, so there's kind of a a balance of new listeners versus people that are losing interest in the Blackhawks. So it's kind of that it's kind of staying on par from where it's been for the last month or so. I'm not in it for clicks. I'm really not. And while clicks are great for me and I appreciate them and they help me out very much, I'm never going to do something to generate clicks or to get attention that, that I don't have either vetted or it's not something I believe is true. I'll never ever, I swear to you, I'll never make up a story. I'll never make up a rumor just to get attention on this podcast or the Madhouse podcast or anything I write for the score, I don't operate that way. And people that have followed me on the score or on the Madhouse podcast know that and can vouch for that. The source stuff I get is very, very good. Very good. And I don't believe I've been wrong many times. The one time I was wrong, it was the Blackhawks trading for Nail Yakupov And what happened there was the trade fell through when the rumor leaked. So it was going to happen. And it ended up not because the Edmonton Oilers got pissed that the deal got leaked and then promptly traded Yakupov to the St. Louis Blues. If you remember that day, that was the time I was wrong. But there's been a lot of times I've been right. And I'm not taking credit for it because if not for two or three of my very trusted sources, I wouldn't know anything. So it's those sources willing to confide in me because they know I'm not going to screw them over. They know I don't make stuff up. They know I'm not going to put them in a bad position. So they trust me and I trust them. And uh, it's been a very good partnership over the last, what, seven, eight years probably. So I like to maintain those things and making up rumors and saying things that aren't true. That's bad for sources. It's bad for me and it's bad for you, the listener. This time of year gets crazy. There's going to be a million rumors. If you see it from a website that ends with like .biz or .ru or something like that, or it's like hockeyboyswithaz.com, give it some second thought. And always check those Twitter accounts for the verification, for the correct spelling. There's a lot of spoof accounts out there. So there's a lot of teams with a lot of assets to move this trade deadline. I expect it to be pretty busy. So just keep those things out. But I just want to sort of, while we've got some space to talk about it, I just want to clarify how I handle trade rumors and transactions on this show. I promise you that for the life of me doing this job and the madhouse and my stuff at the score or whatever, I will never make up a story. You have my guarantee on that. I promise you that will never happen. Maybe it's to the detriment. Maybe if I made more crap up, I could make more money. But I don't think that that's what my listeners want. And uh, I'm never, ever going to do that. 
This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. I am going on the 29th of February. I cannot wait. Bring in my laptop. I don't know if I'm going to do Lockdown Blackhawks from Arizona or if I'm going to have James Naveau, my Madhouse partner, do it for a week. I'm still working those things out. James is on his deathbed, so thoughts and prayers, James. But follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Maybe I'll see you there with the amazing weather and landscapes, the exciting outdoor adventure, the incredible food. That's why I go. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. All 10 stadiums that house 15 MLB teams are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Check out amazing restaurants and bars nearby, including tons of craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angels Trumpet Ale House, and Goldwater Brewing Company. Hot tip, Dick's Hideaway is my favorite restaurant in Arizona. I will not give that information freely very often, but there you go. I just threw you a bone. Dick's Hideaway. Hit the road and explore Arizona's urban centers, ghost towns, artsy communities, and quirky outposts. Bringing the kids along to spring training, Arizona is a fantastic destination for families. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. And if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Lockdown to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Lockdown Blackhawks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Hawks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Lockdown gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Hawks fans and a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. I can vouch for that. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here, sort of stretching the legs on an off day. How exhausted are you, by the way, after that Wednesday night Hawks game that went until the wee hours of the morning because they had honored the Sedins in Vancouver? I still have just not caught up. It is 9.30 on Thursday as I'm recording this, and I am barely hanging on, man. Oof, it's rough. Stitcher! Stitcher! That's the name of the podcast app I was trying to think of. I just got it. It's not Streaker. That's a different app. I don't know if there's podcasts on there, but there might be some fun stuff for you. I just wouldn't look it up around the kids. But Stitcher, yes, the podcast is on Stitcher as well. Thank God. I know people are probably listening to this podcast screaming, Jay, it's Stitcher, you idiot. Yeah, I know. Well, I am just told you I'm very, very tired. All right, a couple things I want to get to here. I think before we get to the NHL GM's poll from The Athletic, I want to focus on Duncan Keith and Dylan Strom, two very important parts of the Chicago Blackhawks. And over the last few weeks, I have been really singing the praises of Duncan Keith. The ice time has been incredible. He's been playing very well. But all of a sudden, I think we're starting to see Duncan Keith slip a little bit. 
And it's totally understandable. I'm not going to pretend like he sucks now or anything like that, but I think there's a couple explanations for it. First and foremost, playing with a young defenseman like Adam Boquist, who is not necessarily defensively inclined, even though he's been better than I think a lot of us expected him to be defensively at this point, Duncan Keith has to do a lot to sort of keep Adam Boquist afloat. I think that's played a role. I think the fact that the Hawks have basically been playing in what basically amounts to playoff games for the last three weeks is probably taking its toll on Duncan Keith. I ran the numbers over the last 10 games on his possession numbers. Over the entire season, Duncan Keith's Corsi 4 rating at 5-on-5 is 48.19. Over the last 10, it's 42.97. That's a big drop-off. 6% is a big, big drop-off. Now, you can ask yourself, well, what has the team done over those 10? That's a good question. On the season, the Blackhawks, as a team, have a 48.55 Corsi 4 percentage. Over their last 10, the Hawks are 48.76, so a little bit better over their last 10 games than their season average. So it's not as if the whole team's collective possession numbers have gone down, but Duncan Keys have gone down 6%. And while that doesn't seem alarming, it's an indicator that we're starting to see the toll on a 36-year-old defenseman playing all those minutes, playing in every situation, and tending to a rookie defenseman. And look, I don't want him moving from that role. I don't. I'm not I'm not advocating for Duncan Keith to move away from Adam Boquist. I want that to be the top pair. I do. Even though it's hurt Keith a little bit, I think it's helped Bulquist a lot. And I think they're like a a less than great Duncan Keith is a lot better than a really, really struggling out of Bulquist. So I think that it's it's still the right thing to do. It's right to keep them together, but just something to keep an eye on. And the Hawks have a lot of games here. Over the next fifteen days. The Hawks have eight games. That's a lot of hockey. It's a lot of minutes for Duncan Keith. Their biggest day, their biggest stretch of day off of days off is next Monday and Tuesday. They play Sun. They play. So they play Saturday and Sunday. They're off Monday, Tuesday. Then they play Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. After that two game break, they play every other day. So, It's going to take its toll. And look, this team, after the Vancouver game on Wednesday, had a team meeting after the game. And what Mark Lazarus reports is that it was basically a, hey, we've got to figure this out. It's playoff time now. If we have another level in us, it is time for that level to come out. And I think it did against Vancouver. The Hawks played a pretty solid game against the Canucks. They really did. It's hard to kind of argue against that, isn't it? But it's got to be every game from here on out, and that is very difficult to do. It's going to be really hard for the Hawks to come out and play basically perfect hockey until the season's over. But right now, they're on a pace for 83 points. That's not a playoff team. It's just not. So they've got to be better they've got to be ready to go every game 
Again, if they play like they played against Vancouver, great. They're going to be fine most nights. Jacob Markstrom stood on his head, and he was great and won that game for the Canucks. But we saw the game against Winnipeg and Edmonton and Boston and Minnesota and Arizona where the team came out flat. That cannot happen. They've got to be at their best from the from the opening faceoff to the final horn. The Hawks have to play their best hockey if they're going to stay in this playoff race. It's Lockdown Blackhawks. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Jay Zawoski. Thank you so much for tuning in. Big weekend for the Blackhawks ahead, but I want to talk a little bit about Dylan Strom. Then I want to share the results of this GM poll that they ran on The Athletic. Uh, it actually came out last week, but I haven't had a chance to get to it with the Hawks' busy schedule. So Dylan Strom, healthy scratched against the Oilers, comes back against the Canucks and is basically a non-factor. And I kind of have found myself lately, as I sort of think about the future of this organization, I'll pick the brain of some people I know who feel the same way about the team and, and know the team well. Sometimes I'll go on Twitter and just search a last name and just see how fans are feeling about that player lately. And Dylan Strom, I really like him. I'm a big Dylan Strom fan. And we're looking ahead to a summer where Dylan Strom is going to get paid. There's no doubt about that. Dylan Strom's going to make some money this summer. And he should. I think he's been an absolute asset for the Blackhawks. He was really good when he was acquired last year, midseason, for Nick Schmaltz. I think that trade has worked out for both teams, which is really, ideally, what both teams want. You want the, well, maybe not. Maybe you don't want the, people say that maybe. But, <laughs> you know, I think you you want to win the trade. That's the most important thing. So before Dylan Strom was a Blackhawk, he had a grand total of 16 points in 48 games. Since joining the Hawks, he has 97 points in 151 games. 51 points in 58 games last season, 30 points in 45 games this season. So... As the season began, we started to sort of analyze what kind of money is it going to take to get Dylan Stromer signed. And we saw Alex DeBrinkett sign a $6.4 million deal. So my mind sort of said, okay, Dylan Stromer's only 22 years old. He's proven a little bit, former number three overall pick. He's had some really good success for the Blackhawks, despite being sort of down lately, hasn't picked up a point in uh, five games here, Dylan Strom, so that's not great. But do I want to pay him $6 million? Despite the fact that I like him and that he's been good and that you feel like you won that trade or at least broke even, do I want to pay Dylan Strom $6 million? And I find myself right now sort of feeling like don't, make this well I don't have to make the decision at all (laughs) but am I knee jerking based on a healthy scratch and a bad performance against Vancouver or a subpar performance against Vancouver 
Am I basing this on a small sample size on a guy that's coming back from a very difficult injury? I don't know. Like, what helps the Hawks more, right? If you have to make the decision between Dylan Strom at $6 million and Dominic Kubelik at three, three and a half, maybe you don't have to make that decision. But maybe Robin Leonard wants $8 million. See, there's so many factors that go into this. What are you prioritizing? To me, the offseason priority is Robin Leonard. Lock him up, three- or four-year deal, sign him for $7 million, seven and a half, maybe $8 million, and that's your goalie going forward. And you hope that within that span, you can get back to cup contention, which that's a big stretch. But without a goalie back there, you don't have a shot, right? You're not going to bring Corey Crawford back at age 35. That's a guy who I believe is a shot away from never playing again. And when I say a shot, getting bumped by a forward or whatever. Unless he wants to take a discount and be a backup, but he's already said he's not really interested in either of those things. So Gustafson, I think we all assume is gone. He's going to get decent money somewhere. Let me ask you this, though. Would you rather have Kubelik and Gustafson and Leonard, or would you rather would you rather have Leonard and Strom? Mm, it's a tough question, right? It's not as easy as I thought it would be. And yeah, Gustafson is he didn't have a year this year like he did last, which makes me think maybe you could sign him for a reasonable deal. He made $1.2 million this year. Could you get him back for three and a half? I might be willing to pay him that. You look at the salaries of the defensemen on his team. Keith, five and a half. Mata, just over four. Connor Murphy, 3.85. Maybe Gustafson and Kubelik for a combined six and a half. Makes some sense. I don't know. See, and this brings me back to Brandon Saad. Because as much as I love Brandon Saad, and like I said last on yesterday's podcast, he's been one of the Hawks' most consistent forwards all year. He's had a good damn year. But if it means trading Brandon Saad to keep Strom, Leonard, Kubelik, and maybe Gustafson, I'm doing it. I'm absolutely making that trade. Because I still think with a year left on that deal – you can bring something back in return for Brandon Saad as well. So, I just, man, this trade deadline, what if the Hawks don't do anything? What if they just stand pat? How mad will you be? Do something, right? Do something. I just want them to do something. We've been talking about it for, it feels like, three damn months now. I need some event to, to react to on the trade deadline. That's all I'm asking for, Stan Bowman. Just do something. Something, just give me something to talk about. I'm not going to sing. I promise you, I will not sing Bonnie Raitt. But give give us something to talk about on trade deadline day. All right, let's get to this NHL general manager poll. 22 NHL GMs uh, anonymously weighed in on the Athletics player agent poll. Good stuff. I love the Athletic. I, I don't work for them, but damn it, if you're a sports fan, you have to subscribe. They've got deals all the time. Support 
the best sports journalism going. Man, I love The Athletic. No ads. I'm not looking at this website. Not a single ad on it. No pop-ups. Everything's navigating cleanly. I find what I want very quickly. They've just got a great thing going over there. All right, first question. Will NHL players be playing in the next Winter Olympics? Of the 22 GMs polled, 7 said yes, 15 said no. If I'm voting on this poll, I'm saying yes. I feel like they're going to get something done. Next question. Will we see an offer sheet this summer? If you don't know what that means, it means that another team can go ahead and offer a restricted free agent a contract. And the team can either match it and keep the player or not match it. And there's a huge compensation, huge, huge compensation. That's why they're almost never done because the team that signs the player has to give the team back a ton. So here's how it works. And bear with me. It's long. This was for it hasn't been set yet for this. It said it, it got set last year in May. So we don't know what it is exactly for 2020, but here's what it was for 2020. If the offer sheet is for 1.395 or below, there's no compensation. If the offer sheet signed is 1.395 to 2.113 million, the compensation is a third round pick. Here's where we start to get the big numbers. Anywhere from 2.1 to 4.2 is a second round pick. Anything from 4.2 to 6.3 is a first and a third. Anything from 6.3 to 8.4 is a first, second, and third. Anything between 8.4 and 10.5 is two firsts, a second, and a third. And anything over 10.568 is four first-round picks. That is a lot to give up, and that's why these offer sheets very rarely occur in the NHL. So of the polled GMs, two of them said yes, there will be an offer sheet. One said maybe, which why is that even an option? And 19 of them said no. I would say no. We saw Sebastian Ajo get Matt, uh, from Carolina get offered a sheet last summer. Arizona or Carol, Did I say Arizona? Carolina matched it and brought Ajo back. All right, here's an, an, uh, the next question. Tw- remember, 22 GMs polled. Which GM do you find the most reasonable to deal with? Chuck Fletcher, Ken Holland, Kyle Dubas, Lou, Lamore- Lou Lamorello, easy for me to say, and Jim Nill all got two votes. Garen Poyle, Sweeney, Botterill, Benning, Sackick, Shikra, Breezebois, Blake, Iserman all got a vote, and there was also a vote for that's a stupid question. All right. No Stan Bowman on there, by the way. Which GM do you find most unreasonable to deal with? Bob Murray gets four votes, Doug Armstrong with three, Yarmo Kekalainen with two, Lamorello with two, Pierre Dorian with two, two GMs passed on answering the question. It's anonymous. Who cares? Brad Treveling, Dale Talon, David Poyle, Jeff Gordon, Julien Brisebaugh, and Mark Bergevin all got one. Interesting note here about Mark Bergevin, by the way, because there's just kind of random quotes smattered in here. Mark Bergevin, he's got his back up in literally every conversation. Burge, stand down. It's just a conversation. That's interesting. I like that. I like that the GM, that some GMs actually would weigh in on that. All right, another 22 GMs polled. Remember this. What grade would you give Gary Bettman? Six, seven, A. 
eight set of B, five set of C, one set of D, and two set an F. Everyone pretty much agrees that he's got the owners, you know, eating from his hand. The the F rating said, there's no link between concussions and CTE, one of the great sentences that will live in infamy, and whether he likes it or not, that is going to be his legacy. Interesting. Okay, next question. Which two teams are most likely to land on a client's no-trade clause? Can you guess the first two? So which are the two teams that a team doesn't want to go to? Winnipeg got 12 votes, Ottawa 11, Edmonton 7, Buffalo 4, Columbus and Montreal each with two, Carolina, Minnesota, New Jersey, the Rangers, the Sharks, and the Leafs all with one. That's interesting. I like that. Glad to see the Blackhawks not on that list. It's funny. They were really not mentioned at all in that poll. Sam Bowen's not neither easy nor hard to work with. And team, I guess players want to, I don't know. It was interesting. I just love the stuff that the athletic does. That's just another example. Uh, Craig Custance wrote that. So make sure you check it out and make sure you subscribe to the athletic. If you want to share it with a friend, you can do that. Split it. But give the athletic support. They absolutely deserve it. All right. Calgary tomorrow. Winnipeg Sunday. Potential meltdown podcast on Monday morning. Will I lose my mind or will I be happy? Tune in to find out on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Have a tremendous weekend and be safe. Stay warm. Talk to you later.